Obviously, tonight we won't have our normal Sunday night church service as we kick off youth camp, uh, Freak Week. And I encourage you to come be a part. Uh, doesn't matter how old the kid is, all kids can worship the Lord and have fun. So, uh, if you want to come be a part, certainly welcome. We are uh, talking about grace alone this morning in Genesis 16. It's actually the classic example of. I have got to fix this. God, I am sick and tired of waiting on you. And so my plan, it'll work. And running on ahead. And of course, that doesn't go well. And and so just read several verses here as we get ready to jump into uh, Genesis 16. And so ask you first to turn to Genesis 16. And stand in God's honor when you find it for, for Scripture reading. So we stand in God's honor. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abraham, You are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think best. And Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that's beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from? Where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. And then dropped down to verses 11 and 12. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. He will live in hostility toward all his brothers. And then 15 and 16. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. (laughs) Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Let's pray. Father, as we bow before you our hearts god your word says humble yourself in the sight of the lord and he will lift you up father as we gather here we say lord we proclaim that you are the hope you are the strength it's in you that grace is found that when we run ahead father we miss you and i Pray, Father, as we look at this account, that our hearts would be moved to trust you, to trust your plan, Father, to walk with you instead of try to do it ourselves. And I just pray for your guidance. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Oh, God, without you speaking to our hearts, nothing said is worth hearing. So, Holy Spirit, work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, a dilemma comes when you've got two choices and there's consequences 
for either choice. And so a decision has to be made. Uh, one guy said, uh, here's an example of a dilemma. When a medical malpractice lawyer needs medical care. Just a thought. Some examples or some thoughts of certain types of dilemmas that we can have. Um, there's a occupational dilemma. You get an offer of a good job. An offer that that job will have advancement and promotion and make a lot of money. The only problem is the job is in Alaska where it's cold and where it's either all day or it's all night and where you have to move far away from your family and the people that you love. What are you going to do? It's an occupational dilemma or maybe there's a romantic dilemma. You know, single, desperately wanting someone, you know, attractive. And so you meet this person and, wow, you know, he's the hunk, she's the eye candy beauty queen, you know, whatever, to you. And, and, and you think, this is great, but there's a couple of nagging things about that person. So what do you do? Do you, do you agree? Because this person, you know, is just totally in love with you. Do you agree to marry him? Do you agree to marry her? Although there's this uneasiness of a, a, a few areas. But if you don't marry that person, you risk the person walking away and missing that relationship. <laughs> so, so there's romantic dilemmas and there's financial dilemmas. You know that this person wants this gift. The problem is it's expensive. So you got a choice. Do I take out a loan to be able to get this gift that I'll be loved and adored for and go into debt or do I not? Well, we have a dilemma here in this text of Scripture, a classic dilemma of waiting on God. Tired of waiting. As we come to Genesis 16, God has made His promises over and over again to Abram and Sarah. They're tired. They're tired of waiting. And so it says that they've been in this area for 10 years, as we'll read on here in the Scripture. <laughs> and Sarah's just had enough. And so she comes to Abram with this plan. As you look in the Scripture, it says, hey, I have no children. I know there's a promise of children. But... So they decide to uh, follow a, a cultural alternative, cultural solution, which in that day, if there were those who were servants, you could marry one of the servants and produce kids, and they would become your child through a process of, of known adoption. They would become the heir. And so Sarah approaches Abram and says, Hey, here's an alternative. Here's my Egyptian mistress, Hagar. I mean, what a wonderful young girl. And she can bear a child. And, and, and notice what Abram does here. Uh, she brings this to him. She says, The Lord's kept me from having children. Go sleep with uh, Hagar. and I can build a family through it. That's verse 2. And Abram agreed to what Sarah said. No argument, no dialogue, no discussion. 
Okay. Oh boy. And what follows is some real struggle. So after Abram been there 10 years, what he do? He followed this advice. He took Hagar as his wife. He slept with her and she was found to be with child. She conceived. And what happened? When Hagar discovered she was pregnant, she began to despise Sarah. So there, there was this discontent and there was this battle between these two women. So, you know, here Abram is in the midst of this and, and his godly, masculine, powerful leadership. I want you to see how he handles it. He says, verse 6, your servant is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think is best. In other words, I'm staying out of this. This was, this started with what you wanted me to do. I did what you wanted me to do. And, and so you, you get out of this. But you know what's interesting through this whole thing? There is not a word here about talking to God about any of this. They come with this dilemma, but there's no prayer that's lifted up. There's no seeking God. There's no saying, God, what do I do? My heart's broken. I'm tired of of waiting. But it doesn't mention God at all in this section of Scripture. She doesn't mention God. He doesn't mention God. But I want you to notice later on, after after Hagar becomes pregnant, Sarah does mention God. Look at verse 5. Sarah said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Didn't consult God to find the answer, but now they're unhappy. God's mad at you. You you shouldn't have done this. You, You shouldn't have went this direction, Abram. This is your fault. You know, it's so different as you, I was thinking about Job and Job's wife and Remember all that struggle that they had. And Job's wife said, just curse God and die. She was just so tired and so beat up. And he said, I can't do that. I can't do that to God. That's, that's foolish talk. We, that, that's foolish talk. But, but that's not what Abram did here. He, he fell into rationalization. He, you know, there was none of this conversation with God. There was none of this conversation when all of this started and said, Honey, this is not the best idea. God has given us a promise and this is not it. This is what we should do. None of that discussion occurred. And Abram dropped the ball just too in, in this predicament, this situation where he should have been a leader and, and he didn't leave. It's easy to rationalize. I mean, can you imagine Jonah when he got on that ship to Tarshish? Wow, look at this. There just happens to be a seat on this ship to Tarshish. This is of God. So he bought him a ticket. Well, we know the rest of the story. Rascal got thrown off the ship, swallowed by a big fish, and uh, regurgitated on the beach. Getting ahead of God has some big consequences uh, that can certainly happen to us in that. Um, You know, the scripture says in Galatians 6, 7, that you reap what you sow. That if you sow to please the sinful nature, you reap destruction. All kinds of problems. If you sow to please God's Spirit, you reap life. I love what it says in today's English version. It says you will always harvest what you plant. So here was the harvest of what was planted. And there was discord between these ladies. 
There was a lot of heartache. And Hagar goes on the run, as we see in the Scripture. Finally, she'd had enough as there was this fighting between the two, and Sarah had all the power. And so she took off. And notice verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Now, let me say a word here. didn't say the Lord found Hagar. The Lord knew where Hagar was all the time. But he sent his messenger to her, and he knew she was there. And I love this. It, it says, found, it was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. I looked up that word Shur means wall, and that road was through the desert on the way to Egypt. Here she was on this road in the desert, in a place in what could seem to be the middle of nowhere, but for God it was there that he met her. Look at verse 8. He This messenger of the Lord said to her, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I think he really wanted Sarah to hear her answer more than he needed to know the answer. And so she spoke. Look what she says. I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. No rebuke. No, what's wrong with you? What are you thinking? You're out in the middle of the desert. You're going to die. This is a nutty plan. There's none of that. Notice what he does. He treats her with grace. He treats her kindly. And he said, go back to your mistress and submit to her. I'm sure she thought, yuck. But the angel added, I will so increase your descendants and they will be too numerous to count. And then she goes on to describe this child that she's carrying. The angel of the Lord describes as a... You're now with child, you'll have a son, you'll call him Ishmael, for the Lord's heard your misery. Stop there a second. Think about it. This is the first instance in the scriptures of an abused single woman. She didn't know where to go. The destination was so important as the escape. She just knew she had to escape. I just stop a minute because I think it's important for us to remember people that are hurting. They don't even care where they go. They just need to leave. They need to escape. That God cares about them. I think this is a beautiful picture of no matter where you are, God's there. No matter where you go, God can find you. He knows. And, and I want you to notice how, how he loves her in this. He, he says, go back. But he, he says, I'm going to bless you. And then he de- goes on to describe uh, verse 12. He says, he'll be with a wild donkey of a Man, his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Okay, here we go. The whole Middle East conflict between Israel and the other countries. Here's where it started. Trying to run ahead of God. Trying to fix the problem without God. Knowing God's promise, but not willing to wait. And boy, what a price has been paid for the whole world um, in regard to that. And, and think about Hagar. I mean, I'm sure she wasn't excited to get married to some guy that was 86 years old. Think about it. She's on the run. I mean, she went through a tough time. And I want you to notice her answer here. Wow. She gave this name. 
to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. Isn't that great? First she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. This is why the well was called Bir Laha Roy. is still there between Kadesh and Barith. You are the Lord who sees me. She thought she was alone. She thought she was abandoned. She thought she was left there to die. But God saw her. <laughs> and God came to her. And he ministered to her and provided his peace to her. At this time, uh, Abram's 86 years old. The promise would be fulfilled. Um, turn me over to Genesis 21, a couple of chapters. We read about that fulfillment in verse 5. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So 86 to 100, you guys can do the math. He's got a fairly new teenager on his hands. And Ishmael, 14 years old. And he's got a baby. They went out of God's plan. God still answered his promise those 14 years. So what's that tell us? It's not good to rush God. We cause more problems than find solutions. When we try to rush God in what we're doing. So as I close this thing out here, just a couple of pieces of advice on what to do when you wait. You know, I told you guys, I have always hated waiting. And it seems like I have this ability a lot of times when I go to the store. I, I pick the wrong line. I think it's the shortest, but there's somebody in front of me. Something happens. They have to go to the back and find out what, how much this cost. Or Anyway, you get the picture. You get the point. I've always said I failed with the degree of waiting. It's not my preference. And yet so much of life involves waiting. It says uh, Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen: Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. I was thinking, uh, Daniel, I'd take him to work this morning before I came here, and I don't even know what triggered it, but it got me thinking about an old Petra song called More Power to You. And there's a line in that old song where he says, Hurry up and wait for the Lord. And there's that picture. So it's difficult, but uh, as we close this out, just uh, we're going to take the word walk. And um, take the letter of each of that word, the letters, to form some advice here. First, W, walk a little slower. I find myself telling this to our daughter quite a bit because Lydia has this thing of she's doing five things at the same time and about to crash because she, she'll be telling me, it's like, all this, and I'll say, Lydia, take a breath. Just relax. And you know what? That's pretty good advice. As I heard someone say, you know, like uh, I was talking to Harry Scandler. Uh, I'm glad he's uh, able to be here today with us. But I, I said to Harry, um, you know, the importance. You know what? I had a brain drain. I, I was just talking to Harry. We were talking about what happens when you preach and you make a mistake. And well, I just... <laughs> God said, oh, I'm going to have fun with you. You're going to lose your train of thought here. But just walk a little slower. Oh, I remember what I was going to say now. Thank you, Lord. I did pray for the Holy Spirit to help me. Thank you, Lord. Um, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Now, for some of you, you'll probably take advantage of that about three in the afternoon. But, <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> Let me go on from this. A, ask God for increased patience. I know. Don't ask God for patience, what he'll do. I understand. But just say, God, I need help here. I don't like this. He provides strength when we cry out to him. Okay. Uh, third, for the ale, or I mean for the eye, for weight, imagine the worst case scenario. You know, uh, imagine what could happen if you take this action. The trouble it could cause. The price you may pay before you head out there and, and just start putting your plan above God's. Imagine the worst case scenario. What could happen? It might happen. <laughs> And last, with the T, think of others who will be impacted by your decision. Let's face it, man. What we do doesn't just affect us. It affects the people who love us and the people who are around us. And we need to think. Sometimes we just need to think. Guess what? The world does not just revolve around me. It's so easy to get that way. The world, you know, just... But it's just not true. You know what? When I'm dead and gone, God won't even take a breath or blink. He'll go on. Certainly be somebody to replace me. But, but we need to remember that what we do, it affects other people that we love. They, they're affected. They're impacted. So we, we need to think about that. We need to trust his plan because it's always the best, even though it doesn't come on our timeline. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I thank you for your word. Father, thank you that your scripture shows the failures and the weaknesses as well as the incredible victories in you. Father, thank you that uh, just because there was this failure, Lord, you still call Abraham your friend, the man of faith. Father, you look at us, uh, not in what we've done, but who we are in you. May our identity be there in you. And I pray this morning, Father, as we think about the different predicaments we find ourselves in, the different dilemmas, and we have a choice. Uh, We can either leave you out, or, Father, we can um, diligently continue to do what we know, but trust you for your answer. And so help us, Father, to uh, do that. Um, And Father, there may be one here today that just needs to do business with you. You've been dealing with that person for a while. And you say, it's time now to make that decision for God. Whatever it may be. Maybe it's to trust you for salvation. Maybe it's to trust you for uh, what you're going to do with your life. just some kind of decision, Father, that you have. And, and I, I pray we'd be open to you. Maybe it's just to come to this altar to pray. I don't know. But, Father, we want to be in your plan. We know to run ahead of you is to miss you. And we don't want to miss you, God. So, Holy Spirit, lead us in this time that we call response, invitation, that um, we would respond to you and what you invite us to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.